safe to say that there's no other office in America that has been buzzing like ours has today here at ESPN-UP. The sports pen, Tanner Hoops with you. Glad that you're along. John Michael Holfling across the way from me. He's a sports guy at ABC10. What's up, Mike? Not much. Not much. Just getting through the week, getting through the day. You know. It's been buzzing here. It has been buzzing here. I would would like to say, I would like to think that no other office in the country has been as, not busy, but uh, had the atmosphere like we have here today. First of all, we've got our PD, our production director, Jim, lumbering around the office here wearing a soccer jersey, a German soccer jersey, because there are only two sports teams in the world that Jim cares about, the Indianapolis Colts and a Bundesliga soccer team named RB Leipzig or something like that. I practice that all day, and I still German. can't get it right. Yes, because he has friends in Germany. He went to visit them recently, and while he was there, they took him to a Bundesliga soccer game. And now that team is playing for the UEFA Championship today, and I would have had no idea except there's Jim wearing a soccer jersey. Really? I've never seen Jim wear anything with more than two colors on it, or without a collar. And I saw that today as he's wandering around the office here wearing his German soccer jersey. I give him credit for it. It looks good. It looks sharp. But I had no idea that there was a UEFA Champions League championship going on today had it not been for Jim. So RB Leipzig or whatever Jim's favorite team is taking on Tottenham. I think they just got started. That is such a weird UEFA Champions League champion. How would you know? I have no clue. I don't I know, know who the European be- I, soccer. I know who the best soccer teams are. I have no clue. I do not follow European you don't soccer. Have I don't Bar- even follow Borussia, American soccer. Borussia Dortmund's not there. Bayern no Munich's not there. You lost Paris me. Saint-Germain's not there. Not ringing a bell. Barcelona's not there. Nothing. Real Madrid's not there. Not even close. Atletico Madrid's not there. Nope. None of those. No. Arsenal? Nope. You don't know Arsenal. Did you say Real Madrid? I did say Real Madrid. Dang it. Okay, how about AC Milan? Is that a thing? They used to be good. They used to be good? Yeah, back when Mario Balotelli was still good. I think I remember him from the World Cup. That's like the only time I pay attention there's to soccer. Also, there's also Chelsea, uh, Manchester City. I don't think Man U is that good anymore. But, Probably not. Uh, all those teams, and you get Tottenham, who doesn't even have their best player from like four years ago, which was Gareth Bale. The, he's not there anymore. And then you have... A team that isn't even the best in Germany from what I've seen, because I think Bayern Munich's the best team in Germany. But, uh, yeah, so not have that's just weird. I don't know the name of the team for sure. It's like RB Leipzig or something like that. I just know that Jim is wearing their jersey and their front logo, because, you know, they have sponsors and their jerseys are there. The front logo is that of Red Bull. So they're sponsored by Red Bull. Okay. If you were a soccer team, what would your sponsor be, Michael? You could pick your sponsor. Would it be ABC? No. Would it be ABC 10? No. Would you get a number 10 soccer jersey? Okay, wait. Atletico Madrid beat Liverpool yesterday. Okay, I'm so confused. Okay, it's not the championship. There's no way it's the championship. Jim says it's the championship, and he's the only one in this office who knows about soccer. Well, I shouldn't say that because I do know soccer, and I actually like soccer, but I don't care about it at like the professional level, whether it's in America or in Europe. All I care about is the World Cup. No, no, no. There's no way it's the championship. It is the championship. The team you're talking about, RB, which is, stands for Red Bull, by the way. That RB, Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Uh, Leipzig. We're going to call them Red Bull against Tottenham. They have only now. 11 points in Group G. and you. So I think they're still in group play. Just looking at the team, the other teams, Barcelona has 14, Liverpool has 13, Napoli, which isn't even winning their group, they have 12. Uh, Juventus, which is a team I should have talked about, they have 16. Man City has 14. Bayern Munich, that team I was talking about, 18. 
Paris Saint-Germain has 16 too. So like all these other teams have more points than them. So I doubt it's the championship. I think it might be the end of group play after today, but definitely not the I literally understood nothing of what you just said like not even a little bit Do you know how bit. the World Cup works? I, I know how the World Cup works. It's but, the same sort of thing. Okay, but it, I didn't understand the teams is what you're saying like if you would have said Italy has 6 points or whatever and China has 5 <laughs> points I could get that but I have well, like come on, I understood Paris, more when you talked about asymptotes than I did just that Paris right Saint-Germain. Come on, what country are they from? I, I, I would think France. Yeah, they okay. Sound French. There we go. There we go. Real Madrid. What country would you think they're uh, from? They would be from Spain. There we go. Bayern Munich. So you is it basically an entire European league? Well, it's not entirely European. I remember a couple of years ago. I don't think... Uh, well, actually, maybe. Because uh, there is a team called Red Bull. And, uh, okay, no, it's not... It's I not. love that. Red Bull. Usually Red the Bull champ- against Tottenham. Usually the top uh, major league soccer team, the top MLS team gets brought into this Champions League thing too but I actually Why would you do that? Like that's why I don't like paying attention to soccer. I hate the format more than I hate the game. Like I hate how the clock counts up and then you have stoppage time. Like you just have some imaginary clock that only the ref knows or can see. Only the ref can follow it and the game could end in 30 seconds, 4 minutes, 7 minutes, what have you. I I hate the format with that. I hate how they can end in ties and I get you can do that in college hockey. I hate that too, except I don't hate college hockey like I hate professional European soccer. It's just such a weird system for doing it's so much more complicated than it needs to be and like you can get regulated down to a different league or you reach across an ocean to another continent and pull in a team from a whole another league to compete in your league's tournament like I, it's I, not it's not their league there are a ton of different leagues like bundesliga is its own league uefa champions is basically the best teams in the world so is this competing. basically all these leagues are playing they send their best team to compete against all the Some other leagues well, in the tournament? It's, it's, like, uh, the, it's like March Madness, where the better the league is, the more slots they get to fill. Yeah, but that's a conference all part of the same league. It's like, it, it, to me, that sounds like we're having a football tournament where the the XFL champion and the NFL Super Bowl champion, the CFL champion, the Arena Bowl champion, all get together and have a tournament. Like, that's what it sounds like. Right. So if we were to have... And a, that's stupid! If we were to have a tournament like that, though, well, there's a difference. One, because the NFL is, the, is by far the premier league. Right. right. But like in college basketball, would you are you do you hate that the multiple conferences play against each other there? No. Why do you not hate that? Because they're all part of the same league. Okay, so they're all part of the same league. This is the UEFA league. Okay. This is a this is a league in and of itself. You have to explain what the UEFA league is. The, the I don't UEFA, follow European UEFA, soccer. The UEFA champion, uh, the UEFA Champions League. I'm not sure how to pronounce UEFA. I That's think it's it UEFA. Is. UEFA. Okay. We'll call it the UEFA Champions League. So that is all part of one league. And within that league, there are multiple conferences. Bundesliga, Liga BBVA, MLS, uh, all these different leagues and whatnot. And then at the end of the year, well, it's not really the end of the year. They're still playing league End games. of their season. Yeah. Uh, basically, at one point, all the teams, they different teams get a diff- different leagues get a different amount of bids, depending on how good the league is. Usually MLS gets one, but I didn't see an MLS team in there this year. Uh, but, like, the best league in the world is uh, Liga A, I believe, which is the league with Real Madrid, Barcelona, and everything like that. So basically all these professional leagues around the world are like conferences, so like 
MLS is, you know, it's not very good. So that's basically like the Big East or something. And Liga A is like the ACC. And, mm-hmm. uh, okay. So then, and they all get a certain number. So like their champions all go on and then they get like at large bids to round yeah. out an entire bracket. So it's like a March Madness style tournament. Yeah. Except the March Madness style tournament isn't a one and done for the UEFA Champions League. It's a, those teams now enter a World Cup-style play where it goes into the group stage, and then from the group stage, that develops into a tournament that is one-and-done style. Complicated. I didn't know you knew about European soccer. There were, like, international soccer My grandfather used to be a referee in Portugal. Is that right? Mm-hmm. What was he doing in Portugal? He's Portuguese. Ah, how about that? <laughs> so I didn't know you were part Portuguese. Yeah, quarter Portuguese. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I'm learning all kinds of stuff about you. I thought you were German. I am. Hopefully, I am it sounds also German. German. I am Portuguese, German, Dutch, and a little bit Italian. Okay, I'm almost those things too. <laughs> Close enough. Either or, we've got actual sports. Well, I guess you know I don't oh, want to discredit that, oh, soccer. Come on. Okay, I didn't mean that. I as do respect the way so it sounded. My background, um, my computer background at the station is actually Real Madrid. Why? I like Real Madrid. Is that your favorite team? Yeah. You have a favorite European soccer team? Yeah, they're my favorite European soccer team because my favorite player is Gareth Bale. Okay. And Gareth Bale is on Real Madrid. Used to be on Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, I also like Cristiano Ronaldo, but Cristiano Ronaldo left Real Madrid. He's now on Juventus. So it's a whole thing. I don't know him, but I'm glad that he left Tottenham because I'm with Jim today. They're the enemy. We're going Red Bull today. We're going <laughs> yeah, Red I don't Bull, know anybody, Leipzig I don't, today. I don't know anybody on uh, Leipzig, so... I, 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 don't don't, I just know the guy that Jim is wearing his jersey. I think it's like Werner is his name, something like that. Mm. That was the name. Of, oh, yeah, and that's the other thing. They have the names below their jersey numbers on the back. Don't like that. <laughs> don't like that. Either or, we've got a lot of pertinent stuff here to talk about today. We've got John Beeline, what the heck happened in Cleveland, and what's next for him. Joe Burrow, are we reading too much into what he's saying? Plus, I've got our resident 49ers and uh, Giants fan here in studio, and we've got... Somewhat of a story, an interesting story coming out about one of their former players and vigilante justice in Major League Baseball. Michael, we really don't have time in this segment to try and get into (laughs) something, uh, something I really wanted to talk about. So let me ask you this. There's this social media trend going on right now on Twitter, movies that traumatized you as a kid. I'm putting you on the spot, but what movie traumatized you as a kid? Jumanji. Why Jumanji? We had a piano uh, in our house, Mm -hmm. and my dad and I were both super into pianos, and there was a leak, like a moldy spot or a leak right above the piano. And there's that scene in Jumanji where the lion climbs down the piano when it first gets introduced. And I always thought that that moldy spot and that water leak, this is when I was like five, Mm -hmm. was going to turn into a lion and climb down while I was playing the piano one day. So uh, I stopped playing the piano. Wow. You know who else answered Jumanji was Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Look how much you and Ben Shapiro have in common. Uh, don't say that on air. <laughs> I tell you what. That's good. I'm try- I've been thinking about that. Like, I've had the benefit of thinking about this for a while, and I still haven't come up with an answer, you know, because I watch all kinds of I'm very much a savant. Right now, I'm really into 1980s slasher movies. Right. Like, I-, I-, I don't know why. I'm on an 80s slasher movie kick. Like, I'm on a streak of I don't know how many days of watching 80s slasher movies in a row before I go to bed. And, like, scary movies don't affect me at all. I like scary movies. They're my favorite. I can't think of any that really traumatized me as a kid. Maybe not. Uh, another one that sort of traumatized me was James and the Giant Peach. Why would that traumatize Because the you? rhino was terrifying, man. 
<laughs> the rhino was. Do you remember James the Giant Peach? Yeah. Yeah, so there was like that rhino that was chasing them the whole time that mm-hmm. uh, that the kid kept seeing in the clouds or whatnot, and I was always terrified of that. So that was also a thing. I don't think I was able to watch scary movies when I was it growing up, It wasn't a scary though. movie. Yeah, I'm not traumatized by James and the Giant Peach. I'm were, sorry. What else was there? Coraline was pretty terrifying. Coraline? Didn't that just come out, though? No, that came out in, like, 2006. No, that, didn't they just make another one, then? No, I don't think they so. They must have just made another one, then, because that was fairly recent. How, re- how recent would you say is fairly recent? Fairly recent, like, within five years. No, definitely not within five years. Well, they must have made another one then, because I know another Coraline just came out. 2009, yeah, I don't know. Well, you would have been fairly adult-ish. I was 12. Oh. Um, (laughs) I don't don't know what to say here. I genuinely don't know what to say. You were traumatized by Coraline. Coraline is terrifying. Like, like actually, that is the first thing that came out. I I remember the... uh, I remember the reviews for it came out, and everybody was saying it was too terrifying for children. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm 12. Like, I can handle this. Right. I could not handle that. Really? It was that bad. I do get scared easy. Okay. Uh, I do get scared easy in terms of, like, movies and whatnot. But I can do horror movies. Like, I've seen all the Insidious films. I've mm-hmm. seen, like, I wouldn't say Cabin in the Woods is really a horror movie. I don't like Cabin in the Woods. I, I like really Cabin don't. I don't. I liked it. I don't. It, they, it had so much potential, and then it went... In such a stupid direction. Such a <laughs> I mean, stupid the direction. ending's not good, but the movie itself, I think, And is they had good. such a great cast in that movie, and they just squandered it. Either way. Uh, either way. I, I can do horror movies for the most part, but man, Coraline was actually like kind of terrifying. There's one scene in the movie I remember specifically, and there's uh, when Coraline finally escapes the, uh, the other world, the other world, through the portal, through the portal in her house, the door mm-hmm. in her house. And you can see, when she, whenever she goes through the door, she has to crawl through like a little tube to get to the other world. And it's like a 200-foot crawl or something like that. But when she finally escapes and the other mother is chasing her, you can see the other end of the portal to the other world. Just the entrance of the portal is getting closer to the door rapidly. And I was like, holy moly, dude, that's terrifying. I don't know why that made me so scared, but you could hear other mothers screaming behind it and whatnot. And, dude... Yeah, I still remember that. I have not seen Coraline since, and I still remember that. I still remember that movie for the most part. What would it take to get you to watch it again now as an adult? I could watch it again right now. Um, but I don't know, I'm not the, buying that. During the daytime. I think during I'd have daytime. to watch it during the daytime. I can't watch movies during the daytime. No. I really can't. No. Not even like in a movie theater? No. like, Well, I guess I could in a movie theater, but I need a totally dark setting if I want to watch a movie. And I'm, you know, I'm a big movie guy, so that's honestly why I'm not... One of those people who says, I hate how it gets dark so early in the winter. I'm okay with that because it makes the whole world like a big old movie theater. <laughs> I'm enough. okay with that. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. We are going to get into some actual sports we plan to talk about next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along. During the break, we continued the conversation about European soccer, much to my behest. I learned a lot about European soccer day, Michael. I'm not sure if I'm happy that I did. I mean, they just make things way more complicated than they need to be. Like, if a manager gets fired, and that's the other thing, they call him a manager. He's a coach. Okay, there's only managers in baseball. He's a coach, or he should be in soccer. If he gets fired, he's sacked. 
He's not actually fired or relieved of his duties. He gets sacked. Just say fired. If a goalie doesn't allow a goal, what do they call it? A clean sheet? Just say shut out like the rest of the world. I mean, don't try to be fancy. Don't try to act like you're better than us. Do you, so do you not like that they call it football, too? Yeah, I hate that. I especially hate that. No, it's not. You use your feet. No, it's soccer. <laughs> it is absolutely soccer. We play football over here. You know that soccer was called football in Europe before football, American football, was called football. I don't care. I hate when they call it real football. Okay. Okay, yeah, uh, this okay. is real football. Uh, That's soccer football. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be fair with that. I wouldn't yeah. call either one real football. I would. Yeah, I'll be respectful of other cultures. Oh, and I'm respectful say. of other cultures. They're not respecting us when they call it real football. That's fair. Yeah, I, I, I don't buy that. I don't like that. I mean, soccer... I mean, I like soccer. I do. I used to coach high school soccer when I was in college. My career record, by the way, 22-0-2. Pretty proud of that. Mm. Uh, I did not know much about soccer going into that. So and how I did just, you coach it? I taught the kids hockey term. I'm not even kidding, okay? I coached high school soccer in Iowa while I was in college. I had my degree, like whatever you need, your uh, Board of Education certified license to coach or whatever, and I was doing like some uh, younger, low, uh, lower-level basketball. I was trying to get a tennis job. I didn't get it, and the AD is just like, hey, I know we turned you down, but the soccer job is open if you want it. I'm just like, I don't know a lot about soccer. I'm more of a hockey guy. He's like, yeah, that's fine. You'll so be did you coach varsity? It. No. No, I was assistant varsity head JV. Okay. So what I did was we had a game one time. I'm not even kidding with this. I'm 100% serious when I say this. We did hockey substitutions for one game because we were playing a team that we were playing a school's varsity that had absolutely no business being a team like they were just really bad so i'm like we are going to do hockey lines today so and none of these kids knew anything about hockey so i'm like you guys are going to be the first line forwards you guys are going to be the first line mid second line defenders and like when we wanted to shift change i guess to call it i'd just be like third line mids get out there now and they loved it like these kids absolutely loved the whole hockey line thing we beat them a 11 to 1. Okay. I was so happy. I, I felt so accomplished after that. I think, isn't there a rule in soccer where you can only sub three times, or is that only for really. That's high like level? professional. Professional. Iowa High School, no. Okay. They didn't take it that seriously. Okay, fair enough. But no, career record 22 0 2. JV Soccer, how about that? That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I'm not saying I like soccer. I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just. I don't like the format, what they do out in Europe. We keep talking about soccer. 90% of the show has been soccer. I want to talk about John Beeline. What the <laughs> heck happened in Cleveland I'll with tell him? you what happened. Yeah? He inherited Cleveland. That being said, but who gets fired after 54 games? The head coach of Cleveland. I, I, uh, man, you have Kevin I, Love and Colin Sexton, and they're like, okay, that should be enough to get you like to a certain point. Mm -hmm. So, And obviously it's not, so yeah. Like, John Beeline clearly was in a position he couldn't handle. He was in over his head. He was trying to run the Cavaliers like he was a college team. That being said, 14 and 40 and you get rid of him now? I mean, just let him finish out the season, have a little dignity. Instead, they buy out his five-year contract. I mean, what really went on? By I know he called them thugs last month. I thought we had moved past that. And now, all of a sudden, he's not even going to finish out the All-Star break because you're 14 and 40. I get that's the worst record in basketball. Is but it? still, it is. That's Worse than the Warriors? Right now. Oh, I love this move then. <laughs> Why, you want him to buy out Steve Kerr? 
No, <laughs> no, I, I, I want the Warriors to have the worst record in basketball. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so maybe they'll improve. Maybe Cleveland will improve with J.B. Bickerstaff as the new head coach. They I'm hire hoping. him on a full-time I'm basis. Hoping. Is there always going to be a J.B. Bickerstaff in the NBA? Probably. There always Just is like how there will always be Jeff Mathis in the MLB. That's true. That's true. Jeff Mathis is one of those perennials in Major League Baseball the same way J.B. Bickerstaff is to the NBA. Did you know that Jeff Mathis has had more seasons of an – OPS plus under 40 with at least 200 plate appearances than anybody else in Major League Baseball history, and it's not even close. That's terrible. I have no idea how Jeff Mathis is still in the league. (laughs) You get paid more for doing less. I guess. Good for him. He he does do well with pitching staffs. I'll Mm -hmm. give him that, but come on, you got to be able to swing it. He's got to be a good manager someday. Yeah, exactly. That's why even after he's done with his playing career, he's still in the Texas Rangers right now. Uh, he's going to be a manager. Backup catchers always make good managers. They do, don't they? They do. Uh, David Ross, is. Uh, I believe he's going to be a good manager. I really think Chris Jimenez, remember him? I think he'll mm-hmm. be a great manager someday. And then uh, Alex Avila. Yep, Alex uh, Avila Bruce someday Bochy. I think will be one. Bruce Bochy. Yeah, how about firing Gabe Kapler here after a year and getting like Jeff Mathis? Would you do that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Michael's not excited about Gabe Kapler nope. being the Giants' new manager. Peels the skin off chicken nuggets out of McDonald's. How about that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I get the whole health craze. Don't go to, don't go to McDonald's then. <laughs> I tell you what. So, John Beeline is out as Cleveland Cavaliers head coach. They agree mutually, quote-unquote, to part ways after the All-Star break. They buy out the rest of his five-year contract after a little over half a season. So, what's next for John Beeline, Michael? I mean, he's 67 years old. He is clearly a guy who's better suited for the college setting. I don't mind him making the move like he did to the NBA. You know, you're at the end of your career. If it fails miserably like it did, then you know what? You're at the point in your career where it doesn't really matter anyway. You just give it a shot because you accomplish a lot in college. Clearly, he's made for the college game. So does he go back to college? If so, where? Because, again, he's 67. He doesn't have time to take over a program and build it up. So is he going to go to a mid-major that's doing okay and just kind of ride off into obscurity, you know, until coach there about five more years till it's time to retire? Or does he try to go for another major program? I think he tries to go for another major program. He's going to pull a Chip Kelly, try to go back to college, right? Mm -hmm. But he has to go to a program that needs a new look. And hear me out here. Mm -hmm. This is going to sound insane. Mm -hmm. Gonzaga. Gonzaga. What are they going to do with Mark Few? Get rid of him. They are going to fire Mark Few. Dude, they cannot win a championship with him. They can't, but I think that's more of a Gonzaga thing rather than a Mark Few thing. Even if it is, man, they need to do something. Something needs to be done because they are never, ever, ever going to win a championship. Yeah, they need to join an actual conference. That's what needs to be done. If they do that, sure. But as of right now, they need to make some sort of move that's going to put them over the edge if it's some sort of new look because right now, the only thing they don't have, the only thing they don't have is a championship. They are the Joe Thornton of college basketball, right? Where everybody says, oh, they're pretty good, but you know, they're not that good. They can never win a championship. So it's a problem. Championships are the only thing that matter in professional sports eventually, when it, uh, by the end of the run. While I think there is zero chance of Mark Few actually getting fired by Gonzaga, I do agree with you in the sense that I would rather have John Beeline than Mark Few. I would rather have him coaching my basketball team than Mark Few. But the thing is, it's their strength of schedule. It's the fact that they are Gonzaga and they play in that conference that's holding them back. You're not going to get strong 
by eating cupcakes. You get strong by eating steaks, and that's why the teams in the ACC do so well, why teams in the Big Ten do so well. That's why teams in the WCC playing, you know, your your strongest conference opponents are St. Mary's, who's, you know, they're usually, good. yeah, they're a pretty good tournament team. I mean, they can be. They'll get to the tournament, won't do much thereafter. And then beyond that, who? I mean, do you have one strong conference game a year? They do. They really do right now. I mean, are you going to get better by playing UC Irvine, Pepperdine? Oh, Irvine's pretty good. Well, they're not. Okay, but Irvine or somebody in the middle level of the ACC? Middle level of the ACC. Exactly. And they're, they're, I think that's the problem with Gonzaga. Well, do you get better by playing better competition, or do you get better by just practicing better? I think both, but I do think that they, no matter how hard they practice, that until they see actual game-type play that they're going to get from a big conference like AC, uh, the ACC or the Big Ten, it's not going to matter. Well, they can schedule out-of-conference games to still do that, but I think in general just the best way or the fastest way to get better isn't playing better teams. I mean, yeah, you need to do that, but it's definitely just creating a game plan that suits your players a little bit more. Like, yeah, you can play as many good teams as you want, but guess what? If you suffer one big loss, that's demoralizing. But you can't replicate that kind of game speed or that kind of talent you'd see from scheduling tough games. You can't replicate that in practice. Can you? Yeah, I don't think you can. Generally, I think a lot of coaches would tell you it's very hard to do that it unless is, you have a super deep team. I think that that's what film study is for, right? Isn't that what the film room is for? Yeah, so but you, you gotta to have that in game. You, you gotta have that in game practice too. I, I just, I, I, that's way too invaluable for Games me. Games are so little an amount of time spent. Like uh, that was a weird way of saying it, but you spend such a little amount of time in games that I'm actually not sure. If it's enough for the most part, like you could see certain people, but guess what? You play Michigan State. How much does Michigan State actually reflect, say, Duke? How much does Duke reflect Florida State? But you see those kind of teams twice a week for like eight, nine weeks in a row, and that builds you up. That's why teams out of the big conferences are so good because they get that kind of competition twice a week for almost three months. Is that why they're so good, or is it because since they're so good, they get the best recruits? That's part of it. That absolutely helps, but you got to be battle tested especially when you get into the tournament i mean when's the last time a mid-major well not made the final four but a mid-major won the final four i can't remember i can't either i mean i really can you know i think about some really good mid-major runs like loyola a few years ago i was on that bandwagon mm-hmm. big time love me some ramblers basketball uh gonzaga was in the national championship just a few years ago that being said i mean you, you gotta have that kind of strength of schedule you can't get strong eating cupcakes I'll die by that. I'll die by that. Uh, before we go to break here, because, again, we don't have a whole heck of a lot of time, let me give you this, Michael. Let me tell you uh, the NFL leaders in merchandise sales now that the season is over. Let me know if this top ten list surprise you at all. Coming in at number ten, Juju Smith-Schuster. I thought he'd be a little higher. Would you? Yeah. Number nine, Saquon Barkley. Doesn't surprise me. Number eight, Dak Prescott. That surprises Dak me. Dak Prescott selling more stuff than... He's the most overrated player in the <laughs> NFL. <laughs> Is he the Bryce Harper? If he gets the contract, will he be the Bryce Harper of the NFL? In your no, because he's a quarterback, so I think that mm-hmm. that's, a little, that, that's, that's pretty fair. valuable. That's a good point. Uh, number seven, Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't surprise me. Number six, Khalil Mack. Doesn't surprise me. Number five, Odell Beckham Jr. Doesn't surprise me. Number four, Baker Mayfield. Doesn't surprise me. 
Not that two Browns are in the top five of NFL merchandise no, sales. They were, they were like they were so hyped coming into this year. They had so much around them, and they were oh, possibly the next America's team. They mm-hmm. were going to steal that from the Dallas Cowboys. So I can see that. Again, we're recapping the NFL leaders in merchandise sale from the past year. Number four, Baker Mayfield. Number five, Odell Beckham Jr. Number six, Khalil Mack. Number seven, Aaron Rodgers. Number eight, Dak Prescott. Number nine, Saquon Barkley. Number ten, Juju Smith-Schuster. The top three coming in third. Ezekiel Elliott. Doesn't surprise me. Number two, Tom Brady. Doesn't surprise me. And number one, Baba Holmes. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I like that list. I like that list way more than the top ten MLB players you showed me last week. (laughs) You didn't agree with anything on that list. Not at all. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Let's take our next time out. When we come back, we got some NFL to break down. We'll play Would You Rather. Plus, are we reading in too much of Joe Burrow's comments? Next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. ABC 10's John Michael Hoefling in studio with me. I'm merely Tanner Hoops. Here's your Sports <laughs> Center update. Baylor women's basketball head coach Kim Mulkey becomes the fastest Division I coach in men's or women's basketball to reach 600 career wins. She did so last night in her 700th game. The Detroit Pistons agree to a contract buyout with point guard Reggie Jackson. Jackson is signing with the Clippers. Lakers wanted him too. Clippers are getting all the guys the Lakers wanted. Yeah. Ouch. Except Anthony Davis. Yeah, except Anthony Davis. And finally, fortune cookies were actually created in America, not Asia. The first fortune cookie was created in a San Francisco bakery in the 1890s. I knew that. You did know that. Well, you're from that area. You should know that. That was like one of the... Are you big into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? A little bit. A little bit. I dabble. Did you watch Iron Man 3? Um... If I did, it wasn't for a while. Remind me. What was well, it? Well, there was this guy named the Mandarin. He Is that kept... the one with Mickey Rourke? No, that was that was two. That was, that's my favorite. That's your favorite, The one really. with Mickey Rourke, yeah. That's my least favorite of the Iron what? Man series. Oh, come on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a guy named the Mandarin there, and he talks about how fortune cookies are made in America. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Do so a little bit of Iron Man 3 I, research and then, there. And then, yeah, also I'm from the Bay Area, so, yeah, San, San Francisco fortune cookies. I know all the deets on that. Love it. We've got some San Francisco stuff coming up, but I'm going to save that for the next segment. Let's talk a little NFL. First and foremost, Greg Olson's got a new job. This mm-hmm. is his third job in like the last two months after he was let go from the Panthers. He got a job doing the XFL games on Fox, which he did really well, by the way. I really liked watch, uh, watching and listening to him. Now he's a tight end with the Seattle Seahawks. A one-year, $7 million deal. You like that signing? Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I do. I, I mean, I I don't think he is what he used to be. But no, but he, for leadership, he still got good hands and whatnot. And for how much was it? One point. Uh, one year, seven million. Okay, I think seven million is a bit much for for Greg Olson. But yeah, the leadership and whatnot, he could be a good uh, he could be a good mentor to Will Disley or Josh Hollister, yep. who, who I think are two uh, young up and coming exactly. And then. Um, not only that, but I thought it was really funny, the whole exchange on Twitter. Because mm-hmm. there was a... Uh, did you see Greg Olson's whole Twitter account with this whole thing happening? No. There was a picture that came out of Cam Newton whispering to Russell Wilson. And the caption was, what do you think Cam is telling Russell? Mm-hmm. And Greg Olson retweeted it with the caption, Olson can still play. <laughs> Two weeks later, he gets... <laughs> Higher, he gets um, he gets picked up by the Seahawks, and Olsen retweets it again and goes, I was right. And then Russell Wilson goes, that is what he told me. (laughs) 
I love it. I tell you what, Greg Olson, uh, the league is better with Greg Olson. It really is. As much as I like him as a broadcaster, the NFL is better with him. I'm going to miss Vernon Davis. I will too. I liked Vernon Davis. We could go on a whole list. We could like just think one up of our favorite tight ends that we have gone on to miss. Jeremy Shockey's up there mm-hmm. for me, not for his off-the-field stuff, absolutely for his on-the-field stuff. Um, who are some other great tight ends? I mean, yeah, we could we could sort of I mean, Tony go Gonzalez. That's I mean, obvious, yeah, though. Yeah. Gronk. That's pretty obvious. I'm talking yeah. about guys that will make you, you think. Don't oh, think, you, you yeah, don't, I remember that you don't guy. Think about them at first. Yeah, yeah. Gary Barnage. Gary Barnage. Bubba Franks. Mm. Yeah, there there yeah. you go. That was one. Yeah. I actually liked Bubba Franks growing up. I did. I grew up in a Vikings household, but I liked Bubba Franks. Yeah. Either way, though, we've got some NFL to break down. Uh, first of all, Joe Burrow, he was talking with several reporters, and we don't know the context of the question that was asked of him, but he responded with, I've got leverage over where I want to go in the draft. Now, the assumption is that he'll be number one this year and go to Cincinnati and be their quarterback. But are we reading too much into that? Like, you have sports radio, you know, gas bags like myself are out there talking about, is he going to pull an Eli Manning and say, don't draft me because I'm not going to play for you? And there are some Cincinnati people that do believe that. And they're mad at Joe Burrow when they probably should be more mad at their team for making Joe Burrow feel that way, for establishing that kind of culture. I'd be happy if I was a Bengals fan. You would. Yeah, because this means we're going to get Chase Young. Well, here's the thing. Wouldn't it be safer to get Chase Young and then go get a quarterback in free agency? You still have Andy Dalton. This is a guy who's led you to the playoffs (laughs) multiple times, was top five in the league in passing yards for most of the season, was without his number one receiver for the entire season, and you you just want to give up on him? There's a generational pass rusher available to you at number one, and you're going to pass up on a guy who, I don't think this is a strong quarterback class. Mm -hmm. He won a championship, but how much of that was him Mm -hmm. versus Coach O? Right. So uh, there's way too many question marks around Joe Burrow right now anyway. You still have a capable quarterback, a competent quarterback, and there's a generational pass rusher. But for how much longer would they have Andy Dalton? I'm just speaking to devil's advocate here. It doesn't matter. If you have him for two more years, there's going to be a better quarterback class, more, most likely. I think this is the worst quarterback class we've seen since the, uh, and this is going to sound weird, but since the Trubisky-Mahomes-Watson class. No, since the overrated Baker-Mayfield-Josh Allen class. The only good one that came out of there was Lamar Jackson. I think Josh Allen's really good. Well, I think he's okay. the most underrated player. He's in the probably NFL. number two out of that class right now. I'd put him ahead of Baker. I still don't think he's all of but that. In, in general, a quarter, that's a, that was a really deep quarterback class in terms of the hype for each one of them coming in. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, a few of them are going to pan out. Like right. That didn't happen that time. But most of the time, a few of them are going to pan out. So... I think you wait for another class closer to that rather than this class because every single quarterback, there's not a single quarterback I look at where I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't see too much wrong with them. There's always one huge question mark with every single quarterback this year, and I don't feel comfortable, I wouldn't feel comfortable drafting any of them. Like, I know some teams have to because they're desperate at this point, but you have Andy Dalton, you have A.J. Green, you have good weapons. Like, A.J. Green doesn't stay healthy very much, but he wasn't there the entire year this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And guess what? If you have one more bad year on offense, you'll have another great draft pick. If you can just withstand one more bad year, if your pride can withstand one more bad year, you'll have another great draft pick and an opportunity to draft a quarterback who is more of a sure thing than Joe Burrow is. Jordan Love is coming up in next year's draft, right? Uh, he, he'll be, he'll no, go he, out this year. He's in this year's, mm-hmm. right? I like Jordan Love he's... more than I like Joe Burrow, which really? is saying a lot, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I like Jordan Love a lot more. But if you can, if your pride can just stay back for one more year... Man, 
that'll go a long way. Let me backtrack a little bit. Do you think sportscasters are reading way too much into what Joe Burrow is saying? No. No. I think I have leverage says all you need to say. Mm -hmm. If you're going number one, what's I have leverage? Right. That means you don't want to go number one Mm -hmm. or you don't want to go to that team. It means that he thinks he is valuable enough, which any number one pick sort of is. He is valuable enough to make a decision on where he wants to go or where he wants to get drafted. It's the Lonzo Ball situation. Sure. He doesn't want to get drafted by the Bengals. He'll go to anybody else. I think. I don't think they're reading too much into it. I think that's the only thing you can read about that comment. I mean, there's talk that he could pull in Eli. To me, that's all speculation right now, and I don't try to read into it too much the other way. Like, he's not going out and saying that he loves the Bengals or anything like that. I mean, what do you want this kid to say at this point? I just, I I don't want people to read too far into this, and I think that as media members, we try to look for stories even when they're not there, and I think that's what a lot of these radio hosts are doing right now, though. Tell you what. What if Tua Tungavailoa stayed healthy? Just to kind of branch off this. If he had stayed healthy, would this not be the greatest number one overall pick debate that we've had since no, when? There wouldn't be a debate. Really? I think Tua would be the bona fide number one you if think, he stayed healthy the whole time. Why's that? Because Tua's ceiling is way higher. You take a look at what the league is turning into, and it's the Josh Allens, the Russell Wilsons, the Deshaun Watsons, the Lamar Jacksons. It's a scrambling league nowadays. It's The quarterback needs to be more than the quarterback. They need to do a running back's job at the same time, and Tua does that. Joe Burrow does not. Mm-hmm. I do think that pocket quarterbacks, there's still a place for pocket quarterbacks. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, they're still really, 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 really good, but they're 40. You don't have many young pocket quarterbacks anymore. In fact, what's a good young pocket quarterback that we can actually think of who's in the league right now? Mahomes. Mahomes is more of a scrambler, dude. No, I mean, he can scoot a a little bit. He's still a West Coast-style quarterback. Yeah, but he's not. I don't think of him as a scrambler more than I think of him as a passer. You don't think of him as more of a scrambler, but the fact is that he can move. He's mobile. I wouldn't. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill, he he moves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every single, almost. Boy, Tannehill can scoot. Yeah. Every single, even Aaron Rodgers can scoot a little Mm -hmm. bit. So, like, every single good quarterback, Alex Smith can scoot. Uh, Alex Smith, I will go, I will die saying this, but Alex Smith is the third fastest quarterback in the league. When he's healthy. When he was healthy. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't know that. We're going past that. Anyway, but the league is moving away from the pocket style passing situation and with a a tool set like Joe Mixon like John Ross like Tyler Boyd like AJ Green two possession receivers in the deep and a deep threat Tyler Eifert that's another inevitable season ending injury (laughs) yeah same with AJ Green Mm. that sounds like a West Coast style offense Mm -hmm. Tua has the higher ceiling everybody says that about him right now but because he got injured people are saying that well maybe we shouldn't draft him Mm. when it comes to the draft you want the person who has the highest ceiling I think people think that Tua is more talented Tua has the higher ceiling. Tua didn't have the same uh, the same help that he that Joe Burrow did at LSU. So what would there be against Tua when it comes to Joe Burrow? Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow got farther. Who cares? Fair enough. Fair enough. I see your point. Tell you what, before we hit the break, I want to play a little Would You Rather. Now we transition to the aged quarterbacks, the more traditional style quarterbacks, because yesterday Drew Brees announced via Instagram that he will play a 20th NFL season at the age of 41. He's coming back to a 13-3 and Saints team. How was Tyree, by the way, when he found out the news? He didn't say anything. Really? I'm surprised, yeah. 
Well, he came in, and uh, I was going to say something to him, but didn't say anything. Mm. And he was—he just seemed like normal. He was like, yeah, I knew the whole time. Mm. I, I can't say I'm really shocked, to be honest with I'm you. Not I'm not either. I'm not shocked either, but he... I guess Saints fans were just so sure the whole time that he was right. coming back. Well, I tell you what, they get another year of Drew Brees. Here's my question, though. What if this is going to be like a year Tom Brady just had? Because Tom Brady, I think we can all agree, should have retired after winning Super Bowl 53. And will Brees have a year like Tom Brady just had and kind of limp off into the sunset? Or will he be able to finish strong? And I, I know he really wants to push for another deep postseason run. And the last three years, they've been so snake-bitten. I know that's been mentally taxing on him. That's my biggest concern here for Drew Brees. It could be. I mean, you could say that with any quarterback. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, will he have a bad season? It's not a matter of if they're going to have a bad season. We can't predict if they're going to have a bad season. We can only go off of what they've done previously, mm-hmm. right? You can't predict what's going to happen. Drew Brees is just going to go for another title run. And if he is as bad as Tom Brady was this year, they always have Taysom and Teddy to fall back on if they re-sign Teddy. But I'm talking about Drew Brees because no one wants to be that guy who limps off into the sunset. They all want to go out on top or at least playing good football when they go out. Would you say Peyton Manning uh, limped off? He didn't because he won a Super Bowl that year. I mean, his play personally was really bad. But he won a Super Bowl, so he still gets to go out on top. I think the Saints, even if they have a bad quarterback, are still a bona fide Super Bowl contender. Absolutely they are. So I wouldn't say that they are limping off. And would you say that Tom Brady, even if this was his final year, limped off into the sunset? Yeah. I wouldn't say so. In a way, because he's not going out on top. To me, if you're you playing... Need to, so you need to go out on top. I'm not saying that you need to, but I'm saying like Breeze and Brady, that's the standard they hold themselves to, is, is going out on top. And personally, if Drew Brees says that this is his final year and they win the Super Bowl, and then the next year Tom Brady says it's his final year and they win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. the NFL's rigged. It's rigged, folks. <laughs> I tell you what, you've got these two quarterbacks that are both in their early 40s. Breeze is 41, Brady's going to be 42, and they're both coming back for at least one more year in the NFL. If I give you your choice, Michael, would you rather... Breeze. Okay, why? Every single I facet, agree with you, but... Every single facet of the game right now says Breeze. Okay. Absolutely. Who is the better coach that has sort of expanded their play? Belichick. Exactly, thank you. Uh, who has the better... Uh, system that they are a part of. Well, that would be Brady. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, Breeze has the better weapons, mm-hmm. I'd say, but how much... Right you, now. But you know my opinion on weapons, running backs and wide receivers. It's mm-hmm. 90% of the time the offensive line, the quarterback makes the... The offensive line makes the running back, and the uh, quarterback makes the wide receiver, not the other way around. Although Gronk helped. I mean, that, yeah. that helped Brady Gron- extend Gron- his career Gronk a little bit. Gronk tremendously, but that, that's also part of the offensive line because Gronk wasn't just True. a great receiver. Okay, he fair was enough. a great blocker. Mm-hmm. And you take a look at the statistics this year for time to throw, or not time to throw, but time before pocket collapses. This year, it was like a full second down mm-hmm. for Tom Brady, and that's huge. That's enormous. So that Tom Brady helped a lot, or Rob Gronkowski helped a lot in that department that you don't really think about. To me, I say Breeze because not only does he have the skill set, the pinpoint accuracy that would make me want him over Brady at this point in their career, but if I were to take either of them away and put them on a generic team, take them away from Bill Belichick and Sean Payton, who do I think would be better? I absolutely think Drew Breeze would be better. I think he could go to any team and do really well right now. After last season, I would agree with you on that. Right. If we're talking two seasons ago, I might have gone with Tom Brady. I, I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't. I would still pick Drew Brees. Well, the reason I would probably go with Tom Brady, say, two years ago, is because of the whole clutch factor. 
uh, six Super Bowls. I mean, that speaks for itself, it does. right? I mean, you take a look, and he's still been he's still to this day able to make some really good throws in clutch situations. Drew Brees has lost three big games due to three uh, a miracle, a really bad missed call, and a really bad missed call. But he wasn't on the field for any of those. Well, he was on the field for the bad missed call last year, but that wasn't due to him. I know it wasn't due to him, but still, I'll say this too: if you if you're on a team, I mean, the Saints should have blown out the Vikings this year. They should have. They should have defeated the Rams two years ago. They should have beaten the Vikings three years ago. So if you're in a position to lose on a miracle play, on one missed call, you didn't do enough to win that game. Yeah, but then that can go the other way so easily. I mean, How it can. So? I mean, because Jared Goff... There was a, there was a missed holding call by Teron Armstead. Yeah. Jared Goff wasn't on the field for that missed pass interference call, and yet if they don't call that and the Saints kick field goal and win, then all of a sudden Jared Goff playing the same game is looking in I'm your not eyes. Saying Jared Goff, in a I'm whole not saying Jared light. Goff did enough to win, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that he won the game. The Saints did not. It's the same thing with uh, like I'll do, use this for my 49ers team. My favorite quarterback, Alex Smith, right? Back when the Patriots and Giants played for the second time in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. the Niners were in that NFC Championship game. Kyle Williams, the punt returner for the 49ers at the time, fumbled twice. Yep, fumbled twice. Once in regulation and once in overtime. Overtime, folks, where it's sudden death. The 49ers could have gotten the ball, but instead a muffed punt basically gives the Giants the game because they're already in field goal range, right? Mm-hmm. Alex Smith didn't do enough. That game should have never gotten to overtime. You know though. that I don't agree with you on this, and we're going to go in circles coming up in the end of this segment. But the last thing I'm going to say is that the reason I would pick Breeze over Brady is because if you took them away from each of their coaches and their system, I do believe Breeze would thrive and Brady would not. And that's why Brady absolutely should not go play for somebody else. Because if you're missing throws, you're looking washed with Bilicek. Do you think that you're going to be any better without Belichick? You do not get better by subtracting the greatest coach in NFL history. This is why I think Brady needs to go to a different team. No, to either prove you right or wrong. And if he's but as he's good, past his prime, he looks washed, and he's not but, going to prove anything without Belichick. But if Belichick. he has a good season, let's say he throws for, but he won't. You say he won't. I mean, a lot of people didn't think Lamar Jackson would be a good quarterback, but we can't predict things all the time. Right, so as like if Brady goes somewhere else and has a good year, that would shut a lot of people up, right? But if he has a terrible year, then he's going to be known as Sis Tom. It, it, it will be, but if he has so much faith in himself, he needs to pull a Richard Sherman and have a lot of faith in himself, build a contract that's incentive based or something like that. Bet on himself, have that kind of confidence. Yeah, but him and Richard Sherman are in much different places in their career. Are they? They are. I don't know, man. Richard they, Sherman's Richard Sherman's like what thirty three, which is old for a non. But he's still got non, it for a non quarterback. He's still got it. He I'm not sure that Brady still has it. He might not. But if he wants to prove to himself, if he wants to prove to himself and to the entire NFL fan base, the entire NFL culture that he is not a cis Tom quarterback, he needs to go somewhere else. But to me, that's pride. That's hubris. And hubris ultimately is going to bring his downfall if he does that. Then maybe it will. But if he wants, if he. If he's willing to bet on himself, I like that as a confidence move. Tanner Hoops, John Michael, hopefully with you. Let's take our last time out. We'll talk vigilante justice next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app.
If you missed any of today's show, it's available on demand with the Sports Pen Podcast. Get it by getting our free mobile app from the Apple App Store, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com and check it out there. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad that you're along this Wednesday afternoon. Vigilante justice in baseball and all the prop bets that goes with it. Vegas is cashing in, or they're going to cash in, on vigilante justice. Before we get to that, though, a different baseball story. You're a Giants fan, Michael. Mm -hmm. They will be celebrating the 10-year anniversary of their 2010 World Series coming up this year. Aubrey Huff, who was a big part of that team, especially in the postseason, is not invited to the reunion. Now, Huff is an extremely outspoken person. He's got a lot of controversial views, and he he misses no opportunity to express those views. He is extremely political and very divisive. The team says that's not why he is uh, not being asked to come, but instead it's because of some of the things that he has said um, regarding insensitive topics, what have you. So he's been disinvited Give me your thoughts on Aubrey Huff. Like you, your memories of him as a San Francisco Giant back in the day. Ah, uh, the home run against the Texas Rangers yeah. in the 2010 World Series. The inside the park home run by a first baseman. <laughs> he, he, I mean, I, I, I don't follow him on Twitter, mm-hmm. so I don't know that kind of stuff, and I'm not going to get into politics and whatnot. Right. But this is a whole situation where you're celebrating a championship. You're not celebrating any one individual or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's like if the 2001 Diamondbacks because Kurt Schilling has said some controversial yeah. things too. If the 2001 Diamondbacks had a reunion without Kurt Schilling, it would feel incomplete, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say that Aubrey Huff was probably the third most important person on that team that year. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with you, at least in the postseason run. He might have even been higher on that list than yeah. top three. Because here's the thing, Aubrey Huff, to me, I'm going to remember Aubrey Huff not only as a very interesting individual, a very... Um, fascinating individual and yet this is like still the fourth most interesting thing about him like to me i think about like you know i have an aubrey huff foul ball i didn't ever tell you that yeah actually you told me you do have a foul ball it's aubrey huff when he was a member of the orioles they were at minnesota they're playing the final season of the metrodome so it's got the metrodome logo on it their commemorative final season or whatever it comes up we're sitting at the left field line so it ricochets off some dude probably put him in the hospital and then my brother actually got it now i took it from him oh good yeah i mean i'm a mean brother um no but it's an aubrey huff foul ball i remember him for that i remember for the postseason run okay here's the thing he is about as average of a player if you look throughout his career i mean he's pretty borderline average like if we're setting a bar it would probably be aubrey huff i'd put him at slightly above average oh because of his postseason run though he is he's a fairly average player throughout his career who had an incredible postseason that helped san francisco win the 2010 world series like he was such a big part of that despite being a pretty much career average player put this on the poll guillermo is he not the giants version of brandon inge our Tiger listeners are going to remember Brandon Inge because mm-hmm. he was such an average, maybe even below average player, hit like 230, and he had that incredible postseason run. Now, they didn't win a World Series I'd with Brandon Inge. Cody Ross is the Giants version of Cody Ross. Cody that's Ross a is name. the Giants version of uh, Brandon Inge. Really? Because Cody Ross won an LCS MVP. That's true. That's true. The Ingadala of that team? Mm. Yeah, that might even okay. be even better. Career average guy. Except Iguodala will still make the Hall of Fame because the NBA Hall of Fame is a joke. 
There's a lot of jokes we could make about that, uh, what have you. I want to get to uh, what's been going on here with the Astros, though, before we go out of time, because if you listen to sports radio, they don't talk about the Astros enough and what's been going on. But really, every day you think it can't get worse, and then it does get worse every single day. I think today it got day. better, actually. You do. There was a really good analysis uh, on ESPN today. Hmm. I can't remember who it was by, but they took a deep dive into Altuve's Game 6 home run uh, uh, off Aroldis Chapman. And nobody really took a look at the at-bat before uh, before Altuve in that one. Do you remember that at-bat? No. George Springer. What was it? It was a five-pitch walk. Mm. Five-pitch walk, and he threw all four of his uh, balls were fastballs. So the first two pitches of or the first pitch of Altuve's at bat was a slider low and in for a strike, followed by two fastballs up and away. That's six straight balls on fastballs. So mm-hmm. what's Altuve going to be looking for? That fastball? No, because it's two and one. He's in a good hitter's count, so he's going to be looking for a breaking yeah, this ball. This sounds like justifying the Astros, though. It's no, like no, no, saying no, no, that no, no, what no. happened didn't affect the game, and no, that's no, no. what makes people mad. I, I'm not. I, I'm not. But I'm saying that from a strictly baseball standpoint. Uh, and then also, well, he gets into it later. Let me finish the story. But basically, he's looking for a breaking ball. Aurelis Chapman hangs the slider, takes it deep, which just strictly from a baseball standpoint, that is what Altuve would be looking for, mm-hmm. and that is a pitch that any, anybody would crush. A hanging slider in a 2-1 count. as something anybody would crush, right? Then he rounds the bases. Everybody said, oh, he went straight to the locker room, put something on. You take a look at the footage. He was out there for seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Seven minutes before he went to the locker room to put on that shirt. Right. So I do think that some of the facts both ways have been miscued, and I'm not trying to say that it was. Uh, I'm not trying to say that I'm uh, uh, justifying the Houston Astros for what they did. It's not. It's terrible, and I hate it. But I'm saying that from a strictly baseball standpoint, Altuve should have hit that home run, I'm and just, he did. I know, I know, but we know that the Astros cheated, and they've admitted to it. And regardless of you know mis. Uh, misinterpretations of the facts, what have you. A lot of Astros are going to get pelted because if Major League Baseball over- is not going to punish... Mi- I, I, I'm, I'm getting to that, Michael. Okay, Hold sorry, your horses. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Major League Baseball is not going to punish the Astros players, so their opponents are going to take it into their own hands, and there's going to be a lot of beanballs coming. Over-under is what, Michael? 83 and a half. How about that? You know, and some people say that would be low. The Astros were hit by pitches 66 times last year. Now, granted, 13 of those were Robinson Chirinos, who's not with the team anymore. But 66 times, now they have a reason to be hit? It very well could get to 83. Yeah, I, I believe that. Do I think it's smart? No. I think beating a hitter is the dumbest way to I get know, back I don't condone that normally. I don't, I, don't, I don't condone it either. But I think it's the dumbest thing you could do oh we're gonna we're gonna get back at you so we're gonna put you on first base <laughs> stop stop i'm gonna get a fine while i do it i'm gonna get suspended 15 games did you hear levitar today they're like just bring up a bunch of minor leaguers say you want your shot in the bigs all right take the mound and pelt this guy take your 15 <laughs> game suspension go back to the minors yeah i like that you know what? they should bring in the guy who was suing the astros give him one more shot this is all he has to do there if he go. doesn't get his win in court he can beat him, at, uh, beat him at home plate. I like it. Yeah. So now there's like a bunch of prop bets and everything on the Astros. Like, who is going to be the first Houston Astro to get hit by a pitch this year? Who's going to lead the team in hit by pitches? Who do the Astros face off against in their first series of the year? Oh, boy. I don't know. I would not be surprised if it's a division rival or the Yankees or something like that. 
if it's George Springer on the very first pitch of the season. Can you imagine how unwanted the leadoff spot would be? The leadoff job for the Houston Astros on opening day a little over a month from now. That is going to be the most unenvied position in the world. Yeah. There is not going to be another job that day that will be more unenvied than whoever the Astros put in the leadoff spot opening day. It's going to be like, Brantley, you want to go bat first? No. Springer, you're batting first. No, thanks, coach. <laughs> All right, Altuve? <laughs> no. Um, if I was a pitcher, if I was a pitcher opening day, first pitch I would throw, breaking ball inside. So it looks like it's coming straight on because you got to think that they're going to try to set a tone for the season early. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they're going to hit me on the very first pitch. Breaking ball. Nobody expects the breaking ball in the first pitch, right? <laughs> so breaking ball inside, breaks in for a strike, then they're like, okay, he's not trying to hit me. Second pitch, boom, right at him. So that's what you do for that. Last thing here before we run out of time, I want to go on the record with this, who each of us think is going to lead the team in hit-by-pitches. I'll go first, Mike, give you a chance to come up with an answer. I believe it's going to be Alex Bregman. I think I he's going to most targeted. You know, Partly because that's the way he bats. You know, He gets right in front of the plate. He crowds the plate, and he's kind of an unlikable guy after all. that He was before, in a sense. He's got a big attitude. Yes. Yeah, he's got a big attitude, and also he was one of those guys where, uh, I mean, he got asked about, during the World Series run, he got asked about sign stealing, mm-hmm. and he said, that's a joke. It's people trying to ruin it and whatnot. He took it the farthest in terms of, like, just calling it ridiculous yep. as, of anybody else, which I think is going to go a long way. And also he came second in MVP voting last year. Mm-hmm. And everybody was talking great things about him. So Tanner Hoops, John Michael, hopefully with you. We are out of time. Always good having you here, my man. What's coming up at ABC 10? Not much is coming up at ABC 10. We're trying to get through the week. We're looking forward to the basketball districts. Of course, we're always looking forward to that, trying to get some interviews with whatnot. I'm also looking to try and get Foster Wonders and Marcus Johnson on the show. Two of the, two of the best basketball players in the UP, arguably the two best basketball players in the UP. So I'm looking to get them. Still haven't heard from them, but I have reached out, so hopefully I can do something with them. Hey, I I can hook you up afterwards, and if they're listening, we invite you to make it happen. Because Here, can I make a suggestion? Sure. You and Tyree Smith, two-on-two against those two. I want to see how bad that would be. We need to do a three-on-two, a three-on-two. I think they'd still crush us, but I think we might have some sort of chance if we have one extra player. Why don't you get somebody from Northern? One guy from the Northern ooh, team. Ooh, ooh, I don't know if they'd be down for that. Oh, sure what they if, would. What, what if we no, get no, no, no. Uh, Foster's older brother plays for them. Get Carson oh, Wonders. Oh, there we go. Carson Wonders, you and Tyree against Foster and Marcus. We could totally do that. that wouldn't that be? Or, you know, they are arguably the two best players in the UP. On the boys' side, maybe the two best players in the girls' side are on the same team, too. You think that you and Tyree could take Maddie and Tessa? Four on two? No, no, two on two. Oh, could we take Tessa and Maddie? I don't think you could. I don't know. I don't uh, think you I, guys uh, could. We're, we're way taller than them. <laughs> Is Tyree? Tyree's taller than Maddie. Uh, okay, she's 5'6". Um, I hope he's taller than Maddie. I think he's 5'8 or 5'7". <laughs> so, okay. I'm taller than Tessa. Okay. So, I don't think we could take them. We, we, we couldn't take them. Um, Maddie's too good off the ball. Tessa would be able to handle all over me, so... Uh, it it just wouldn't work out. So. You have to make this happen now. Like we this is going to be too good. Yes, because I'm picturing this and I cannot miss this. This is going to be cannot. We've miss already TV done Thursday throwdowns with Tessa and Maddie. Though. I'm sure they would be down for this. Would they? I, I'm sure they would. Maybe. I want to see you get okay, or get Carson Wonders to go three on two against his brother and Foster. Could we get? I'm sorry, his brother and. Could we get uh, Carly and, Patron to join us? Uh, three on two against Maddie and Tessa. Probably. 
Mm, that'd be a good one. This is going to be much must-watch TV, and I can't wait to see it. That's it for us, though. For John Michael Hoefling, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UPWZAM. Ishpeming Marquette.